0: You're listening to Soul Work With San, where we believe your soul is worth the work. I'm your host, San, and I'm hyped to be with you today because, oof, we about to have a time. Now, while there's so much going on in the world, today, I want to leave you with some hope. What if I told you that the life you want is one decision away? We got to talk about it, and I'm bringing story time back to get it done. So, you ready? Let's work. hey fam what you say fam wagwan how is your soul now we're cruising through our summer bonus season and it's almost coming to an end it feels like the summer has been flying by on us or is that just me? What I will say though is I'm pretty excited about the fall and some of the work we're dropping later this year. Now speaking of drops, a million bajillion thank yous to all of you who have purchased your copy of my debut ebook, Your Soul is Worth the Work. We launched it along with a whole new site with some cool merch on my birthday this past Sunday. And it's blown me away. Like it's surpassed my expectations for it. So thank you so much. The book is based off of season one of the show when we had it way back in July of 2020. And I wrote it because I wanted to provide another way for people to process their journey of soul work. So in it, we discuss some of the issues we've got to walk out of and journey into if we want to find a life of flourishing. So my hope is that this ebook serves to encourage people to do the work on their souls. Why? Because it's needed and also worth it. And I want to remind them that they're not alone in this journey because sometimes soul work can feel dismal or even isolating. But the truth is, we've all got work to do and doing it together is what makes life so special. So I'd love for you to grab a copy at sompope.com S-A-H-N-P-O-P-E. The journals are also on the site too, and they're meant to serve as a companion to the book because at the end of each chapter, there are personal reflection questions that'll help you along in your processing. And we got some mugs too, in case while you're reading and writing, you want to sip on coffee or tea. <laughs> See, the point is on this soul work journey, we got you. So head over to the site, sompope.com and go pick them up. Now, thanks again. And with that, let's dive into how the next decision of your life can be the best decision of your life. It's showtime. Story time. Ooh, did you catch that one? Not nah, stop playing with me. That one had a little sauce on it. Stop playing. <laughs> Okay. Okay. All right. I'm being serious. Let's jump into the book. Second Kings seven to be exact. Now the main verses of action are verses three through nine, but if you want the full story, start at chapter six, right around verse 24 and work your way all through chapter seven. When I tell you drama. Now my mama always used to say that the real action of life, the soap operas, the the juicy drama of life, it was found in the Bible. And she's right. So what's happening here? Well, we're taking it way back to the days of the prophet Elisha, who was a bold man with an uncanny ability to speak the mind of God. So let's set the scene. There's a famine in the land and it struck hard. And it got so bad that there were mothers out there who were eating their own children. And the heads of donkeys were selling like it was the best cut of steak. So the nation is in turmoil and torment by a neighboring army known as the Aram army, which had them on complete lockdown, hence the famine. Now, stuck in this reality are four lepers. Leprosy is a debilitating disease that eats away at you from the inside out, like it shows up on your skin, you could lose limbs, and other parts. And during those times especially, it was a major, major source of shame. If you had leprosy in in your community, you were immediately an outcast. And if ever there was a need for you to be around other people in public, you literally had to shout, unclean, unclean, everywhere you went so that people knew to stay away from you. Could you imagine? Now it's this type of shame and isolation that has these four men sitting at the gate outside their city. They weren't welcome in, and they knew it. Nobody wanted them, and they knew it. But the knowledge of their neglect didn't stop their hunger. So they were sitting there on the outside of acceptance, and they had an epiphany. Yo, what are we doing here rotting away? One translation says it like this. Why just sit here until we die? So they go even further, and they point out that they've got one shot. Any Hamilton fans here? don't throw away your shot. And so here are their options. They could just sit here and waste away, or they could try and go to the Aramaeans' camp and beg for mercy. Because the logic is this, if we ask for mercy and help, they may let us live or they may let us die. But if we don't do anything, we're for sure going to die. So let's do the thing that might let us live. And sure enough, the diseased men, they get up and head towards the enemy's camp with the intention to reason for their lives. Now what they got was even better than what they expected. The Lord worked a miracle so much so that by the time they got to the camp, not one soldier was left, but all the goodies, all the spoil remained. So we're talking livestock, jewels, all the goods. It was just left for these outcasts to feast upon damn what? Yeah, like God had the Aramean soldiers hear what sounded to them like an army of thousands of men. And out of that fear, they fled their own camp, leaving everything behind. So the enemy's fear became the leper's feet. They walked into victory, handed to them because of a decision. Now, after they ate and drank and took some of the goodies for themselves, They knew they couldn't sit on this miracle any further. They had to share what was done. So they go to the gatekeepers, because remember, they can't go directly to the king or even directly into town. And eventually, word of mouth spreads so fast it gets to the king and to the people that the surplus of this food causes the prices to what? Plummet and go exactly as the prophet Elisha discussed in verse 1. They were just as he said it would be. To the point where that scoffing king's right-hand man, he didn't get to enjoy not one morsel of it, just as Elisha said in verse 2. So here again, we have another instance of God doing just what he said he was going to do. End scene. Fam, Reason number 238 of why I love the Bible is because of its powerful examples and constant lessons all up and through it. So today, I just want to share three big truths from this passage that have radically changed my life in the area of decision-making. And I think it will for you too, because see, sometimes it's so easy for us to justify inactivity. And we'll go even further and get deep and say, we're just waiting on God to make the move for us, to choose for us. Bebe, come real close, because I got to tell you something and you may not like it. You ready? Thinking that God makes the decision for you is not biblical and it'll ruin your life. Now, wait, don't you click pause. We still talking and we love each other. Don't you stop? Hold on. Hear me out here. (laughs) Grab your Bible. Go to 2 Kings 7. Pull up. Let's see what the scripture has to say about our choices. Truth number one, your current circumstances are not an excuse for indecision. If down and out were a group, it'd be these leprous men. They were pariahs at the end of their rope. And instead of letting that become their grave, though, it became the catalyst for another shot at life. Here's the point. Even if you find yourself in a place that's painful or hard or lonely, you still have the power to make a decision. So don't let what's around you change what's in you. Because God has given you the ability to choose beyond your circumstance. That's the first quick truth. Here's the second. Number two, God will not choose for you. You got to do it for yourself. Now, baby, this, this was the one for me. Why? Because from the Old Testament to the New Testament, God is giving his people options. He provides choices. He tells us what he'd prefer for us to do, but he does not come down and make us choose neither does he make the choice for us. Now here's some proof. If we look at Moses, David, Esther, or even the children of Israel as a nation, God told them where he wanted to take them, Canaan, promised land. He revealed what he wanted for them, possess that land. But most of them, literally all but two of them, only Joshua and Caleb actually got to experience the promised land. Why? because they made a choice different from God's desire for their life. Now, perhaps this is why we have a whole section in the Bible known as wisdom literature, which includes Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, among other books, because it helps us make the choices that will align ourselves with God's desire for us. Fam, I used to believe wholeheartedly that it was more spiritual of me not to choose or do anything as if that was the form of obedience. And I would say that it's because God was gonna do it for me or I was waiting on him to move. And yes, there are going to be moments in life where waiting is in line with what God wants for you and what he's trying to teach you and how he's trying to form you. But even in that season, you still have to make the decision to wait with grace and trust so that bitterness doesn't overtake you. Fam perception, perspective, it is all so important in our love relationship with the Lord because he's not a villain. Like he doesn't get a kick out of our confusion and he's not tickled by our turmoil. God wants us to know, love, and follow him. So if you find yourself inactive, you got to ask him to help you directionally. And then remember this, in the scriptures, Jesus, while he remained unhurried, he was all about that action. Get up and get to it because it's up to you to do it. Now let's check out number three. Your choices are a part of a bigger story that's already unfolding. So choose wisely. Yo, peep the beginning of chapter seven and then look at the ending. To make it plain, God told the people through a prophet what was going to happen. And he went even further when the king's homeboy scoffed at the word. So he let him know of his upcoming faith. Now skip down to the end of the chapter. Everything God said came to pass exactly as he said it would. Why? Because that's the kind of God you serve. He's not God if he's not sovereign. The beautiful mystery to me, though, is found right in the middle. In the middle of this chapter, he uses four leprous men to accomplish the word that he spoke. They could have made a different choice for sure, but it would have been to their detriment, not God's. He would have used something or someone else because the outcome of God's word will always come to pass. We even see an example of this in the come to Jesus meeting that Esther has with her cousin Mordecai. But that's another story time for another episode. Here's the main point. The quality of your life and the privilege to be a part of a story bigger than you that's unfolding right before your eyes every day, fam, it's there for the taking. This is why we call it an invitation. In the Gospels, Jesus is asking, do you want to be made whole? Do you want this? Now, his purpose is going to be accomplished regardless of your choice. But why not make the choice that changes your life for the better? Why not agree with the God who loves you more than you could ever love yourself? The God who knows what's ahead and he's already made provision for you. So then it's a gift gift. You give to your own soul when you accept his invitation for a life of purpose in him. Fam, you want to know why this is so important? Because there are so many of us stuck. So many of us are stuck in our lives due to poor choices. And we think it's God that has us there. How, Sway? Look at the themes of the scriptures, right? Like, look at the life of Jesus. Look at the wisdom of Holy Spirit. And now look at the character of God. Do you really believe God is out here orchestrating misery on you as a test to prove your loyalty to him? How does that even work? Fun fact, it doesn't. All that does is breed resentment and bitterness in what is meant to be your love relationship with God. So many of us, we were not given the biblical tools of wisdom to make good decisions and to keep it a buck. We're not reading our Bible to see the endorsement that's in there all through the text that helps us live a life that is free and filled with joy through wise choices. So instead, we've made our decisions out of desires that don't have a thing to do with our purpose, but more with another agenda. And that agenda could be of the church or of the world. So, you out here chasing entrepreneurship, why? Then why you don't you don't like people you don't like customer service why are you doing that because it's the shiny and sexy new thing to do hashtag boss babe hashtag uh, living your life right but another example on the flip side so you believe God has called you to pastor or prophesy why because that's the person in charge but my question would be what if He hasn't called you to be a pastor but to be a patron? Like, what if you're called to ethically and economically help develop people in your community and bring about God's plan of restoration beyond the four walls of the church? Now, hear me healthily. Don't slip left. I have a deep respect and admiration for pastors. I think they need a whole lot of prayer and and covering and friendship and accountability and all those things. But my thing is, what if there was another way to help lead and serve in your local community that does not? just mean that role. Now, I keep saying this and I'm not letting up. The world is changing rapidly. And while sure, this can be frightening, the good news of God's plan stays the same, fam. So what if in this moment, God is creating opportunities for a flexible calling that makes space for all of who you are beyond just what you do? We've made saying yes to God a place of spiritual strife and not the invitation to the easy yoke that Jesus promises it to be for us in the gospel. Now, I know you've been there. We've all been there where the altar call comes and there's this aggression to get a yes out of your belly, (laughs) but it reinforces this error that you're not supposed to like the life he desires for you. So it becomes a my way versus God's way. But fam, surrender and yielding to the life of Christ doesn't have to be a showdown. And here's why. The key component of good decision making is trust. Trusting that you're loved deeply enough to be led in the right direction and that where he's leading you is the best place for you. Now, while those places may not always feel good, because Matthew four lets us know Jesus was led into the wilderness, the outcome will always be good because God is good. So trusting God's goodness for you and to you will take the fight of living his way from you. Let's wrap up with this truth. God wants you to choose what he to choose for you. But the power of that choice rests in your hands, not his. And he designed it that way. Again, all throughout scripture, what we find are countless examples of people who had to make choices from Abraham to Joseph, Daniel, Esther, Ruth, Moses. Some of them chose well and ate the fruit of wise decisions. But others, they missed their place in the promised land because of mismanaged emotions which led to a bad choice. So, if one foolish choice can cost you your promise, imagine what trusting God and making the right choice can do for your future. So, like he said in Deuteronomy 30, 19, I place before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your children will live. Fam, are you ready to live? Because the choice. It's yours. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with me today. I'm really grateful for you and hope that this episode brought you value and hope. We're building a community of love over here, and we are just getting started. And your support helps to keep that mission going. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show for more episodes delivered freely to your device each week. And leave a rating and a review because it helps to get the show out and I'd really appreciate it. Again, visit PsalmPolpe.com for more content that'll help you work on your soul. And hit me up on Instagram at PsalmPolpe, S-A-H-N-P-O-P-E. I'd love to hear your feedback on the show. And if you like, share some of the choices that you're facing. I'd like to pray with you on that too. Now fam, I'm signing off right here. Remember, you're only going to hear one of two statements on that fateful day. Well done or depart from me. Let's live accordingly. Love you. Talk soon.